0: Hello everybody, this is Robbie Gupta and this is an episode of Regressives, which is a show all about how we as progressives can get better, or just how progressives generally can get better. And today we're gonna talk about a story of unions selling out their own members, politicians selling out the working class, and about a broken healthcare system. And it all centers around a legal case that's been making its way through the courts here in my home state of New York. And fascinatingly enough, my law school roommate, or former law school roommate, Jake Gardner has been representing the plaintiffs in this case. And Jake is a graduate of Yale Law School, where he was senior editor of the Yale Law Policy Review after earning his bachelor's degree from Stanford University. And somewhere between his time in law school, he joined the FDNY. Uh, So actually, when I was jumped off to join the Obama campaign, Jake went and joined the fire department, where he was a member of Ladder 43 in East Harlem, eventually finished his degree in law school. I uh, wound up clerking in the district court and in the circuit court for two different judges and now as a partner at his law firm where his firm has been taking on this case. I can never say your firm's name properly, so you can shout them out, Jake. But Jake, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. It's Walden Mock.
0: Walden Mott. Yeah, Walden Mott. Yeah, Walden Mock. WMH. Shout out to them. And this is not a legal podcast, but I love the firms where like the partners do the work. You know, like I've I've worked with firms before where they sell you on it, and then they pass work down to associates. And what I love about your firm is you guys, among many other things, is like you guys do the heavy lifting, which is great. But okay, that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is a promise that was made, I think, starting in 1966, right? City workers like my mother, uh, who works at a city hospital and uh, has taught at the College of Staten Island. And so she's a two-time city worker They were promised a long time ago and continually in writing and verbally that they would get one healthcare plan. And recently the rug was pulled out under them. Um, What should our audience know about this story?
1: There's a lot to know. I'll try to simplify it. So you're right for the past 57 or so years. So Medicare, the Medicare program, the federal Medicare program, which provides medical care to senior citizens and people with certain disabilities It's been around since 1966. And in the city, right after Medicare was passed, there was a statute uh, that was enacted that required the city to fund health insurance coverage for city workers and retirees and their dependents. And the health insurance that existed at that time for retirees who were over 65 or who were disabled was Medicare plus what's called Medicare Supplemental Insurance, which covers the 20 percent of costs that Medicare does not cover. So 100% of medical expenses were covered by the city. And the city promised everyone that if you work for us, if you risk your lives for us, you know, if you toil away in relative obscurity for low pay and a lot of stress, towards the end of your life, when you're elderly or disabled, you will be taken care of with Medicare plus Medicare supplemental insurance paid for entirely by the city. And people relied on that promise for decades.
0: And just to pause there, it was, they not just relied on it, it was a selling point of working for the city. You know, I grew up in Staten Island where, you know, firefighters like you and teachers, police officers, nurses like my mom, that's my, essentially my whole neighborhood. My, on one side, I got a teacher. On the other side, uh, actually, the teacher moved into a house that was a cop. My mom is a city worker. Everybody's city workers. This is why we were devastated by 9-11. And I think like people often think of city workers as, you know, live in large. Sometimes I'm guilty of talking like this, but, you know, in your brief, you talk about how over 70,000 retirees survive on pensions of less than $1,500 a month, nearly 100,000 survive on less than $2,000 a month, and over 150,000 survive on less than 3,000. You know, this is in New York City. Obviously, some of them have left New York City, but that's not a lot, you know, $1,500 a month in New York City. And so a lot of these folks, the healthcare is really important. And the idea that they don't have to pay out of pocket is really important. And was a selling point for going into this kind of work and staying in this kind of work in the first place?
1: Yeah, the numbers you mentioned, I think the average person is not aware of that. And I think it's also important to point out that that's a fixed income. We have some retirees who, who we represent who are in their 90s. They retired, you know, say in the 1970s, where if their pension was... $17,000 a year that wasn't great but it wasn't terrible now that pension amount because of you know there're certain statutory limits to how much it can go up now maybe it's $19,000 a year that's nothing there's no way you can survive on that amount especially if you're dealing with serious health problems and you have to pay any health care costs so yeah the idea that the city would take care of you your health insurance for life huge hugely important especially If you were risking your life or the city, in the fire department, I know so many people who after they retired, they got cancer. They retired because of cancer and not just because of 9-11, although obviously that had a huge impact on the cancer rates, but serious life-threatening illnesses where you need to see the doctor all the time. You need to see specialists at say the Mayo Clinic. Um, And so you need to be able to see the best doctors. You need to be able to get that care that's ordered by your doctor without an insurance company. Denying you coverage, or limiting who you can see, which, as I'm sure we're going to get to, that's what Medicare, these new privatized Medicare Advantage plans, will do. Whereas under Medicare and Medicare Supplemental Insurance, you can go to any doctor you want, pay virtually nothing, especially if when the city is paying for the Medicare Supplemental Insurance, and that's just a psychological lifeline and and a financial lifeline for people, and that's why they signed up. That's why they spent decades serving the city. People like your mom, people like, you know, your neighbors, tons of New Yorkers. There are now about a quarter of a million retired New York City employees who all took the job based on the promise that they would receive certain health care benefits. And now the city has said, actually, you know what? Don't trust our promises. We would rather force you into a worse health care plan where we will save money. And by the way, that money is not going to, the savings are not going to be seen by New York City taxpayers. Those savings are going to be split between the Adams administration and the active worker unions, and so they just want to to make money off, save money on the backs of these elderly and disabled retirees. And I think it's outrageous and it's illegal.
0: Yeah. So let me point out a couple things about this. To be clear, and I think that this was not clear in in a lot of the early reporting on this, is that I think a lot of people who are reading this were like, "Oh, this is just like tough calls. Like the city has to save money somewhere." They gotta cut, you know, like and and actually it's very confusing because if you read the articles, it's like, oh, they they retirees had the option of Medicare supplemental versus Medicare Advantage. And when you read that as a lay person, you're like, oh, Medicare Advantage, that sounds great. Uh, it's like such an Orwellian term, but Medicare Advantage is a privatized version of Medicare that requires the people seeking care to go through a, a private health insurance company, in this case, Aetna who is a gatekeeper. So you need um, prior authorization and you have in your brief and, and in your public statements, you've talked about people like this woman, Orana Cunningham, who uh, maybe you could you could tell her story, but like these tons of people, you, you've you've peppered your, your brief and, and you've had people speak out who, because of prior authorization, they've either been delayed or denied essential healthcare. In addition to all sorts of other problems around being in network and out of network, et cetera. So you have that issue. The other issue is like it's being sold as its cost savings. But as you said, the money isn't going back to the taxpayers. It's going into some kind of discretionary fund. And maybe you can help us understand to the extent you do what's being done with that discretion or was planned to have been done with that discretionary fund.
1: Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, yeah, Medicare Advantage is a complete misnomer. It's it's neither Medicare nor an Advantage. And there's such an aggressive marketing campaign you might've seen advertisements on TV. I, I think like Joe Namath is, is the spokesperson for one of them. <laughs> it's incredibly profitable. It's the most profitable type of health insurance, I think, uh, for all of these insurance uh, carriers. And so they, they sell it hard. They lobby politicians to protect it. Uh, it is a real cash cow for these insurance companies. So these Medicare Advantage plans have been around since like the 1990s and they've grown And now I think almost 50% of Medicaid eligible retirees are on Medicare Advantage. And Medicare Advantage isn't bad if you're not sick. If you don't have to go see the doctor, if your health is okay, it's not that terrible. There are some additional fringe benefits that come with Medicare Advantage plans. There's like a silver sneakers program where you get a gym membership. But when you are actually sick, uh, and if you don't have to actually pay for a Medicare supplemental plan, there's no question that Medicare plus Medicare supplemental insurance is is far superior.
0: And just to explain, like the normal person who does Medicare plus Medicare supplemental, generally like they or somebody has to pay out of pocket for the supplemental to get them the full benefits. In this case, the city is promising to pay that, right? Yep. Now, in the case of Medicare Advantage... What was the public policy reason for creating it? So that people don't have to pay that out-of-pocket additional money and it gets like why did the government create Medicare Advantage in the first place?
1: I think the original idea was if you just privatize it, you will reduce costs because you will be subjecting these health insurance coverage to the market forcing. Free market. Yeah. And so insurance companies are gonna find ways to cut costs or to find inefficiencies. But ironically, What's happened is the reverse. It's now more expensive for federal taxpayers to fund these Medicare Advantage plans. And the reason why is because here's how Medicare Advantage works. The federal government gives an insurance company a set amount, it's called a capitated amount, for each individual and says, here's your allotment for the year. If you're going to insure Robbie Gupta's mom, we will give you $3,000 a year and do whatever you want with that. And so the insurance company, in order to make money, says, okay, well, we've got to spend less than $3,000 on a year on Ravi Gupta's mom. And in addition, because that $3,000 amount is set based on how sick the individual is, the insurance companies, they create these elaborate systems to make their members seem as sick as possible. So even if the insurance company should only receive $3,000 a year, they uh, exaggerate you know, how sick someone is so that the federal government pays them, say, $4,000 a year. So now the federal government is overpaying by billions and billions of dollars. There there have been all sorts of government investigations into this issue.
0: And Aetna, correct me if I'm wrong, Aetna has gotten into some trouble on this, no?
1: Yeah, Aetna, like all major uh, health insurance carriers that offer Medicare Advantage, they've been engaged in, in this sort of process of trying to maximize how much money they get from the federal government by exaggerating the health conditions of their enrollees. It's my understanding that's what all these government investigations have revealed. And then Aetna, I mean, Aetna is a private company. You know, They're beholden to shareholders. Their job is to maximize profits. And how do you do that if you're uh, offering a Medicare Advantage plan? You try to get as much money from the federal government as you can, and you try to pay as little in coverage for individuals. So they pay as little as possible through a couple of major mechanisms. One is they steer people to a network of doctors that generally receive less than they otherwise would uh, through Medicare, Medicare supplemental insurance. Uh, so they're paying the doctors as little as possible. So you, so you-
0: Get a lower quality doctor, potentially.
1: Yeah, potentially, although a lot of doctors, a fair amount of doctors do accept Medicare Advantage, but a limited number of doctors and a lot of doctors who people depend on.
0: Yeah, okay, this is critical, because you, you've been promised, you talk about that 90-year-old person, right? In this scenario, they're, they've been going to the same doctor And now potentially with this change, correct me if I'm wrong, they now have to go to a new doctor.
1: Yeah. Let me paint you the nightmare scenario that's true for a lot of people. Let's say you have some serious illness. Let's say you have cholangiocarcinoma. It's a very rare type of disease, very fatal. A lot of people, you need to get care at, say, the Mayo Clinic. So let's say you've served your life as a firefighter. You were in 9-11. You got sick at the World Trade Center. Now you're dealing with this horrible illness. You're going to the Mayo Clinic. To get care, your doctor only accepts Medicare plus supplemental insurance, doesn't accept Medicare Advantage, or might not accept this specific Medicare Advantage plan. And you're depending on that doctor for life-saving care. And then all of a sudden, you're forced into a Medicare Advantage plan. You now either have to pay for that care yourself, which is going to be thousands or tens of thousands of dollars, or you have to switch doctors, which is incredibly dangerous. And now here's the worst part. Most states don't guarantee you the right to Medicare supplemental insurance. So if you try to then buy your own Medicare supplemental plan on the open market, which is going to cost you thousands of dollars a year, which most of these retired civil servants don't have, but let's say you have that money, you try to get your own health insurance coverage so you can continue to see the doctor at the Mayo Clinic who's saving your life. In most states, I think in 46 states, you won't even be able to get an insurance company to sell you a Medicare supplemental plan because of your uninsurable medical conditions. So you are totally screwed. And that scenario is is playing out, or would be playing out, if the city had its way. And the city just ignores that and just sort of brushes it off as, "Listen, you know, in order to make an omelet, you're going to have to break a few eggs." Or, you know, this is what happens when you're you're trying to overhaul healthcare.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, and I do want to come back to this fund that is being created of all this, but the the, the politics are mind boggling to me. And I've been very involved in city politics for a while because. This predates Eric Adams, and I'm not exactly even sure of the origins of this. Adams runs for mayor and promises that he's going to honor the commitment to the workers in very pointed language. I think he used the "not want to pull the rug out." I actually think that's from him, like under a uh, rug out from under the city workers. Then he makes a, a you know bout face once he gets elected, and now they're aggressively they've been aggressively fighting you. So you've been fighting, you've been representing city workers against the city, their employer, their unions, and Aetna. Correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Like, you've got all those people against you.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So it started under de Blasio. And then when de Blasio left and, and Adams came in, so when Mayor Adams was running for office, he was asked, how do you feel about this forced switch to Medicare Advantage? And he said he was opposed to it. He said it was a bait and switch, which is a perfect phrase. People were baited to join, uh, civil service on the promise of this health insurance. And then now in their old age, when they're old and disabled, their healthcare has been switched or is going to be switched. So what happened is in 2021, a group of retirees who, you know, this was in the middle of the pandemic. So a lot of these retirees, they weren't seeing each other face to face. They just sort of started to link up over the internet and said, Hey, uh, you know, I, I'm really worried about how our health care is going to be taken away from us. Let's band together and try to do something about it. And so an organization was formed called the New York City Organization of Public Service Retirees.
0: Which, like, should be the union. <laughs> it's like what you just described is like yeah. essentially what the union should be doing.
1: Yeah. So it is this issue is pitting active workers against retirees. And it's crazy because active workers are just retirees and training.
0: Yeah, my mom is still an active worker, but is on your side. She actually, my mom, when she listens to this, she'll know about it, but I don't think she knows you're doing this case. She's been complaining to me for a long time about this change. And I think that gets to the confusion, by the way. Active workers, they think their healthcare is changing too. They don't fully understand. Like my mom, I think, thinks her healthcare is about to change, which maybe it is. I don't fully understand.
1: There is so much misinformation. And I think a lot of, active workers are just not aware of what's going on. This is basically a couple of powerful union leaders from just a couple of powerful unions. The way the unions work in New York City is a little bit crazy. There's an umbrella organization called the MLC, the Municipal Labor Committee. That organization is really dominated by a couple of unions, DC37 and the UFT, the the United Federation of Teachers. And they basically get to decide policy for all of the unions. So There are a a lot of union members who are not on board with this switch to Medicare Advantage, and there are a lot of just unions, and the whole unions uh, are against it. But because you have a couple of very powerful unions who control the MLC, and they made this deal to try to get money for active workers that they have control over, and they split that with the mayor, they've decided it's worth selling off current retirees in order to get benefits now. It's a little short-sighted. It's its getting better benefits for active workers, even though when they ultimately become elderly or disabled, they will be forced into worse health insurance.
0: Oh, so, okay. I So this is the bargain they made. So that fund that they're creating would go to the current workers to upgrade their benefits while they're pre-retirement, but when they're in retirement, they're funneled into the Medicare Advantage system like the rest of these workers.
1: Yeah, they will be, but if, if you know, for a lot of people that's so far into the future, I don't think they're really aware of it. What a raw deal, by the way. Like, that's a bad deal even for the active workers. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if you told me that I was gonna get a more expensive or worth health insurance plan when I'm, you know, 65, but I could pay- When you need it most, yeah. Yeah, exactly, but, but I could pay, to keep the good health insurance and you're telling me that right now instead you will give me you know a salary increase or you'll give me something else that i really want i might say okay well uh, maybe that is a good deal for me but it's obviously not a good deal for people who are no longer working who won't get any of the benefits of that and who are going to be forced into this medicare wh- why
0: well, what's the politics of this like why do that? Like, what what's What's in it for Adams? What's in it for the most city council members? And shout out to, I, I saw, like, there are a few people, like my friend Eric Botcher, I think, who's on your side now, it seems. And there's a few others. And it's like a weird coalition of Charles Barron and Republicans. It's very weird, like a socialist and Republicans and all that. But it seems like, the correct me if I'm wrong, the majority of city council members are not with you. They could change this or could have been. We we'll get to what's been going on in the courts, but they could have changed this and avoided
1: the lawsuits altogether, if I understand this correctly. In late 2022 and early 2023, the city lobbied the city council to amend the operative local law to allow the city to do what it wanted to do because it was losing in court. The city council, after hearings where you know there was like three days of hearings, the city council decided to reject the city's proposal that Mayor Adams proposed. Okay,
0: so the city council did the right thing.
1: They did the right thing there on our side, but that was just basically save us from this bad legislation that the city wanted. Subsequently, we have said, there's actually good legislation you can pass if you really want to help retirees Then just codify certain level of healthcare benefits so that we don't have to keep engaging in litigation. Um, we don't have to you know engage in further appeals and people can rest easy knowing that the city is not going to be able to circumvent these judicial rulings. And there is movement uh, among city council members. The number of city council members who have signed on to this legislation, it's called Intro 1099, uh, has grown. And I think some of these council members, now now keep in mind, they don't want to anger the union Mayor Adams or the unions. Yeah, And they have a talking point, which is, you don't need us. You're kicking ass in, in court. Why involve us? Seems like you're doing great. And there are a number of reasons why That's not right. But I do think there is a growing movement. I know that Richie Torres, the Congressman Torres is introducing or just introduced legislation at the national level that would protect retirees access to Medicare, traditional Medicare plus supplemental insurance.
0: Well, that seems essential because most of the people who listen to this podcast are not from New York. And I think that's a big part of the story is you probably know better than than I do about this, but it seems like this... Shift to Medicare Advantage is not just a New York story. Like there's there are versions of the story playing out all across the country.
1: Yeah, and I've represented people from other parts of the country. We, we represented, we successfully represented these Delaware state retirees. The state of Delaware was going to force them into a Medicare Advantage plan. We stewed and prevented that. Cities and states across the country are realizing that if they force retirees into a Medicare, a federally funded Medicare Advantage plan, that's that's key. The reason why this would save money for the city or the state is because the federal government pays for Medicare Advantage plans.
0: Yeah. And they 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 pocket the 20% difference, right? Like the 20%, which is the supplemental, right? I might be getting the number wrong, but like 20% of the cost or something is usually borne on either the individual
1: or the entity, in this case, the city. So that's for Medicare supplemental insurance. For Medicare Advantage, that's just a completely separate paradigm. It's just... There's a Medicare Advantage plan that provides you all of the benefits, and you know that that Medicare plus supplemental insurance would provide. It's fully paid for by the federal government, and it's controlled by these private insurance companies. And these insurance companies get paid by the federal government and the city or state who otherwise would be paying for your Medicare supplemental insurance. Says, okay, great, good deal. I don't have to pay anything.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is they 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 save the 20 oh, yes. percent that they otherwise would have paid. Okay, Correct. so ba- but back to the politics for a second before we move off of that. So. What's the unions, what's the, what's going on? Like, why are they, why do they believe this is in their interest? And Adams too, like, why is this good politics for them? Like, maybe Adams' politics is the union politics, but then why are the unions, or the teachers' union at least, and the, the few powerful ones that are behind this, like, what's in it for them?
1: I don't claim to understand all of the sort of inner workings of what's going on with the unions and the, and the mayor. That's not really my wheelhouse, but my understanding is that, one – People honestly, I think a lot of people, not the people who are in charge, I think the people who are in charge know better, but I think a lot of people have been duped into thinking that Medicare Advantage is actually just as good, if not better, than the existing insurance. So it's this massive information and educational process that we've had to engage in over the last two years um, to tell people, you know, the differences. And also, I think just because they realize that there's going to be hundreds of millions of dollars that are now freed up for active workers and for the Adams administration, they can't say no, or they don't wanna say no to all of this money. And so I think it's really just comes down to the hundreds of millions of dollars that would all of a sudden go into the pockets of the city and the active workers.
0: Yeah, okay, let's get to the the legal part of this now. So you, this, this organization forms, you repre- like you start representing them slash the retired workers against, again, against their own employer, against their own union, which i can't stress how weird that is like the employer and the union are supposed to be adversarial in many ways or at least the union's supposed to be doing the work that you're doing but somehow you're you're representing their workers against them and the employer which is just odd and so you start representing them and you've had just like a series of victories
1: in court yeah so there's three separate litigations that have gone on for the last 2 years because the city just keeps trying to find, they've been on this war path for the last two years, trying to take away the health insurance benefits of these retirees to save money. And each time we beat them back. And so we have three ongoing cases now. The first case, the city said, we're gonna give you this new Medicare Advantage plan. It'll be free. It'll be worse, but it'll be free. They didn't acknowledge that it would be worse, but it would be worse, it will be free. And if you wanna keep your existing good health insurance, you're gonna have to pay $200 a month. Which most people just don't have uh, most of these retirees don't have you you hear in the news about these you know certain fire chiefs who, who retire you know with a pension of like hundred fifty thousand dollars or something but that's not the norm and we brought a lawsuit and said no you have to pay you have to subsidize all of the plans not just you can't just offer just one medicare advantage plan we won at the trial level the city appealed we won at the uh, intermediate appellate court and then the city appealed again and and so we're going to have to argue that first case before the, the New York's highest court called the Court of Appeals. Anyways, after losing that case below, the city also tried to impose copays that were contractually prohibited on retirees. So we brought another lawsuit. So,
0: so just to translate for people, if I got this right, the city keeps coming up with new mechanisms to steer their employees to Medicare Advantage at the expense of the Medicare supplemental as a way to avoid appearing like they've reneged on their promise. Is that kind of a translation of what? I think that's it, right. Yeah. And, and
1: and they basically, in the first case, it was about, you have to pay for your existing health insurance. We're going to offer it, but you have to pay for it. And then when they lost, they said, okay, well, we're also going to charge you more for your existing health insurance through copays, as opposed to what's called premiums. Premiums is the $200 a month, but you also have- So they're basically co-pays. trying
0: to find the money
1: one way or another that they had now- But then they got so fed up and they said, all right, well, if you're going to make us pay for all these health insurance plans, and we've always offered a variety of plans for the the past 57 years. Yeah, worth
0: mentioning, if Medicare Advantage was a better plan, then it's been on offer, right, for years now, long time. People don't use, like, right, they don't opt into it. So if the city is right that this is a better plan, how come nobody's using it?
1: Right. If it's such a good plan, offer it and let people vote with their feet. Let people voluntarily choose this plan. Yeah. And if they care so much about the Silver Sneakers program, give them that. So what they've done is they said, the city said, okay, well, if I'm going to have to pay for all this health insurance, guess what? For the first time in 60 years, we're not offering a variety of healthcare options. We're not offering med- traditional Medicare. We're offering one plan. It's a Medicare Advantage plan. How do you like that? And so we brought a lawsuit and that's that was called the nuclear option because that was like the most extreme thing anyone could think of. And there was no way the city was going to do that, even though that was sort of, a threat. If we won our first lawsuit, well, the city might respond. But and and put me in the on. time
0: and place that happens during the Adams administration. Like the, yes. the threat. Oh, yes,
1: okay. that happened. That that was announced of in March of this year, and so we had to. There's a very tight statute of limitations period for cases when you bring them against the government. So we had to immediately pull together a lawsuit and present all the reasons why that plan to, to, to take away all the other options and only give these retirees one Medicare Advantage option, why that was illegal. And our, our complaint had, I think it was 12 or 13 different causes of action. But the one that I think is easiest to get your head around and that we've talked about is a doctrine called promissory estoppel. And that is an equitable doctrine where if I promise you something and you rely on it, if I make a clear promise and you rely on it to your detriment, then i am stopped meaning i'm prevented from denying you that promise and
0: that that exists outside of the, the, the there's no requirement that that's contractually agreed upon right like it's just Correct. like there and in this case you cite the employee handbook among other documents i mean it seems like you've got a you, you i think you had hundreds of affidavits if i remember correctly of people who attest to being promised this but you also have The handbook, which uses pretty sweeping language, I'm sure you have more, but there's a lot of documentation that this was laid out pretty
1: clearly. Every, basically every document we found going back to the 1970s, that was about healthcare and every conversation anyone could remember about their healthcare benefits in retirement was very clear. You would get Medicare plus Medicare supplemental insurance paid for by the city for life, assuming you spent the required amount of time working for the city to earn those benefits. And people relied on those promises. Uh, You know, people chose their doctors. They chose where they would live. They made financial decisions based on the understanding that they weren't going to have to pay for their own health insurance. And now in their old age, it's inequitable to do what's called that bait and switch that Mayor Adams talked about when he was running for office. And the judge recognized that. And he also recognized that it's not just the the promise, but there's an actual, there's a statute, a New York City uh, local law Uh, makes it clear that the city has to pay for Medicare supplemental insurance. And that's one reason why no one thought twice about making that promise. Everyone in city government was always saying, yeah, you get this health insurance because that's what the law required. So people, you know, knew under the law and they knew, you know, based on countless promises made to them by, you know, city officials for decades that they, they would get this insurance. And the city's argument is, well, it's really not that clear of a promise. Which, which is almost laughable because there couldn't be a clear promise. And then their backup argument is, well, you know what? You can't rely on a promise made by the city because the city should have the flexibility to pivot and do other things. And it would be terrible if you forced the government to abide by its promises. <laughs> and they cite And they cite some case law that is, it's just a little bit deceptive because it is true that there is a doctrine that says that if some low level, you know, some random government official just doesn't know what the law is, and makes you a promise and says, oh, guess what, Ravi Gupta, you get a billion dollars when you retire. And that guy just didn't know what he was talking about. Obviously, taxpayers shouldn't have to pay Ravi Gupta a billion dollars because some random paper pusher in in, in the government just misunderstood what the law required. But that's not this case. There was no law preventing uh, these retirees from getting this health care. In fact, just the opposite. The law required them to get that health insurance.
0: And so you've, you've essentially wiped the floor with them in the courts. Like you've won basically every case and you just want a big one, right? You just want a big judgment.
1: Yeah. So we have won every single case. I, I don't want to gloat because we're still fighting the appeals. And I, the law, the lawyers on, on the other side have been, have been very good. And, you know, it's not like our cases have always been just like, you know, this easy process of marching into court and then we embarrass the other side. So it has been hard fought. So I don't want to spike the football here because we're still fighting appeals and, and you never know what could happen on an appeal.
0: Let me read you something that the Aetnol this guy, Carl Geerkin, said uh, recently, I think this was back in July. He said, and I don't want you to explain to me what, what he means here. He said, the city retirees are getting a better plan. Its premiums are lower. There's a $1,500 a year limit on out-of-pocket payments and opponents claims that many doctors of outer network are exaggerated. So what is he saying?
1: First of all, I love Carl. He's a good guy. He's a good lawyer, but he's just wrong. Uh, He's saying, what he's saying is that this Aetna Medicare Advantage plan is just as good, if not better, and that you can see all the same doctors and they cite these misleading statistics about how doctors should accept this plan and that you're going to get some added benefits like the gym membership or meals delivered or, or rides to the doctor. But at the end of the day, the rides to the doctor and the gym memberships mean nothing if you're too sick to use the gym. And if the premiums
0: is not a relevant point because the workers don't pay the premiums,
1: right? For sure, uh, there is there is a slight wrinkle to that. The the workers get free health insurance up to a statutory cap, but any plan that these retirees have ever wanted has always been below that cap, so they've always gotten free health insurance. But I I don't know, I can't remember the quote you just uh, mentioned. But yeah, if there's any talk about how premiums are lower, that that is irrelevant.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he says that the the out of network stuff is exaggerated. Is this other point?
1: Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, he's the lawyer for Aetna. so you have to take. You know, he's he's doing his his best to sort of make the argument that the Aetna Medicare Advantage plan is not the worst thing in the world. It's not terrible, but there are some statistics that you just can't hide from. I mean, the, the it's true that Aetna has the highest prior authorization denial rate in the industry, meaning when you go to your doctor and your doctor says you need a certain procedure, Aetna comes along in a Medicare Advantage plan says 12% of the time, uh, actually you don't need that procedure. And so we're not gonna cover it.
0: You have some fascinating examples here. Uh, maybe talk about Orana Cunningham, who I mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, she, so Orana Cunningham is a pretty high profile case where she had some form of cancer and there was, she needed a special type of radiation and Etna said that treatment is unnecessary. I think they said maybe it was experimental in nature. And so they denied her coverage. She ended up passing away, I think, soon thereafter, maybe a year afterwards. Her family sued Etna, and a jury awarded $25 million, uh, which is a pretty clear message to Etna that that's an outrageous decision to deny care. And Etna was unrepentant throughout that trial and afterwards. They're, they're basically saying, we stand by that decision. It's also notable that there was there are other investigations into Aetna where an Aetna, some Aetna official who was responsible for um, reviewing coverage requests would deny them without even looking at the medical records of an individual, just admitted under oath that we just denied coverage without actually looking at the file, which is every retiree's worst nightmare, that they're just going to be, their doctor's going to say, hey, listen, you need this procedure and then Aetna says, "Oh, you know what? deny because we have this algorithm or, or some sort of process that just says that it's not necessary, even though your doctor, who actually saw you, said you need that 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 procedure." So it's it's scary. I mean, when you're a an elderly or disabled retiree, your health is you know obviously the most important thing in the world, and it's scary to picture this insurance company with a profit motive to get in between you and your doctor and say what. Care is or is not necessary. And if they say it's not necessary, unless you have, you know, thousands of dollars to pay for it on your own, which, which the, most of these retirees don't, then you're not going to get it. And you just cross your fingers and hope you're not the next Arena Cunningham.
0: Well, okay, so where do we go from here? So right now, like the current system is preserved. Like I think you'd gotten an injunction previously anyway from a judge. And essentially, unless the city wins on appeal, is, am I correct that unless the city wins on appeal or the city council? Reverse this course and actually adopts legislation on behalf of the mayor, unless one of those two things happen, city workers maintain their old plan. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's where we're at right now. We have two appeals in two different but related cases, but those haven't been argued yet. Uh, so at the moment, the city has to keep providing retirees city funded Medicare plus supplemental insurance. And if the appellate courts rule that the city can do you know, can do what it wants with respect to Medicare Advantage, then we're in a different place. Hopefully we don't have to get there. Um, But yeah, and I think the city, they could, again, lobby city council to amend the city code. I hope the city, I hope they don't. And I hope the city council doesn't amend the city code to help the city, but that's a possibility too. The third option is we win our appeals. The city council doesn't do anything to help the city, but the city finds some bizarre other workaround where they can try to, you know, mess with retirees healthcare benefits. Um, so it's a scary, I mean, there there, are a quarter, there's a quarter of a million of retirees out there who are anxious and they're stressed out and that in and of itself is causing them healthcare issues. They just want this settled. They just wanna know that they're gonna get the health insurance that they need and that they were promised. And the city's constant efforts to change that is really is already causing harm, even though we've been winning in court so far.
0: Well, Jake, thanks for taking this case on. I know a lot of people in Staten Island uh, who have been rooting you on, and I think this is a just a, just a really fascinating case of things aren't always what they seem. I think the whole question of what is a union and who are they serving, I think, is is just a fascinating question in government today, and also the question of how does our healthcare system work anymore? Like Medicare is something that has held up as the gold standard, right? Like when you read these books on healthcare policy, they say, well, at least we have Medicare, which is the most efficient, cost-effective, reliable healthcare that we have as a society. And the idea that even if you're not in New York, like the idea that we're shifting more and more people to these Medicare Advantage plans. I just looked up Aetna, their profits last year went up $10 billion, or their revenue went up $10 billion to $91.4 billion revenue uh, last year. The idea that these companies are juicing the spread, as you talked about it, which is hyping up their claims, but then denying them or evading them or slowing them down as people are trying to see the doctors they need. It, It really is a crisis. This crisis goes well beyond New York City. And this is the role of unions. Like, Every, every person, whether you're at city government or belong to a union or not, should have somebody advocating on your behalf on this kind of stuff. But this is especially where the unions need to step in. And it's depressing that in the largest city in the country with the most powerful unions, they've you know totally walked away from their responsibility to their retirees.
1: Yeah. I mean, if we can't do the right thing in New York City, God help the retirees in, in the rest of the country. So this is we sort of see ourselves at the tip of the spear in this fight to preserve people's access to, to medicare and so that's that's why this is you know so important not only for new york city but for people retirees all over the country
0: well jake thank you so much man good luck out there
1: thanks for having me